Welcome to Sticks and Taps, where the conversation is hockey and the keg is always cold. The games will be on soon, so let's step up to the bar, grab a pint, and get into it. Your host, Paul Cuthbert and Liam McGuire. Slanta, fellas, and don't forget to pay your tabs. Oh, BJ is a shameless thank you so much as always for that introduction. And news to you, pal, the games have ended. Anyway, welcome to Sticks and Taps, everybody. <laughs> Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cooper here in America, New York, baby. And uh, please say hello to your favorite maid and mine, Mr. Liam McGuire. How you doing, sir? How's she going, Polly? How's she going? Well, as you know, <laughs> goddamn technical issues. We got it figured yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen. It's all good, man. We we got it. We got her done. We got we her got done. Her. You got her done. We did. We did. Well. Cheers to you, mate. Raising a glass to seeing you again. All right, we start that right now because I'll pour one. What the hell, man? <laughs> it's right, Thursday. <laughs> you know what? Get I got it. two shots in this bottle. Get it. So I'm gonna take one. I'm gonna take one now, and I'm gonna save one for our toast when we play that fantastic Irish song coming up later. Sounds good to me, buddy. You see this? I see Here we go. Atlanta. <laughs> Up the Republic. Woo! Woo! Oh, oh yes. Oh. Nice and smooth. Hot, baby. Now Hot, we can baby. do a show. All right. Here we are. It's uh, it's October 1. Uh, usually at this time, Liam, we'd be talking about uh, a new season getting started here in about a week or two. Some home openers and stuff. But anyway, the Stanley Cup finals have ended. We talked last week. Yeah. And the Bolts were uh, up ahead there, and we didn't know what the Stars were going to do. Anyway, um, it's a great final, great finish. Uh, love that last game. Uh, especially love the uh, the ending and, and seeing the guys celebrate and um, just the, the great tradition of the Stanley Cup. There's nothing like it. Uh, magical. Uh, well done by the NHL. But uh, what you, what'd you take there, buddy, and uh, full marks to Tampa Bay for, for taking it home, right? Yeah. First of all, a little housekeeping. Last week, you asked me about Vasilevsky. I did. Pretty sure I just said wrong. Um, so he was drafted in 2012, first-round pick of Tampa Bay, 19th overall, and uh, obviously is now a Stanley Cup winning goaltender. Previously, he was a Stanley Cup finalist. He did play parts of four games, and I believe picked up a win in relief in 2015 when Tampa lost to Chicago in six games. He was one of eight Lightning that uh, were held over from that squad from five years. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. When you look at the um, Carolina Hurricanes, Final 02, Cup 06, Anaheim Ducks, Final 03, Cup 07, in and around the same numbers. So here's Tampa. I'm not saying necessarily following that blueprint per se, but you did ask me about about, uh, Vasilevsky, and um, I just wanted to follow up on that. Because I wasn't sure what round, I should say, what year he was drafted. This, I knew he was a first rounder. Was this stewing in you all week? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was bugging the hell out of me. And uh, so now we've cleared that up. Now, got to clear something else up. This is long overdue on my part and something for both you and I. Because we have a regular listener. I know we, uh, we, have a, we have a few that have been with us here even since we've come back and trying to pick things up again. And he's from Ireland and he's got a great first name because it's Liam. Uh, and his last name is Burke. Now you've, you've 
you've uh, exchanged a few messages with Liam Burke yourself, yes. I believe. Yep. I know that um, he was one of the one of the men that was uh, very anxious for us to uh, move beyond the Clancy Brothers <laughs> <laughs> after after an inordinate number of songs. Now, this is a huge oversight on my part, Paulie, and I should have done this. A long time. I should have done this the very week we came back, which is what three weeks ago, a month ago now. This is our fourth show, right? Pretty much since we came back, I believe. I think it's. And you know what he did for you? You know what he did for me, Paulie? He he sent me an Ireland national sweater, national hockey sweater. He sent he sent me one. They had one from from a. Yeah, he he got one. He got one from the women's team, from um. I mean, she the, the sweater is um, it's you know, it was hers directly, <laughs> but her name is Lorna Lorna Hoey, and and she's from Dundalk, and he got he got it. Uh, whether it's a replica or or fully used in a game, I I don't know, but it's absolutely gorgeous. I'm gonna wear it next St. Patrick's Day. It's beautiful. In fact, I'll wear it next week. Okay. On the show. Of course, that's not gonna help our listeners. Well, I can take I can take a picture for you. I can take a shot of you. Oh, yeah, I grab. Oh, there you go. There you go. Okay, so next week, I should have thought of that this week, especially with the song we're playing. You know, okay. Maybe I'll run and grab it. I maybe I'll run and grab it a little later. Who really cares, right? Take a second. It's right upstairs. I can grab it. Anyways, I wanted to thank Liam, and we did exchange a couple messages on that. And I wanted, uh, you know, you know, Paulie, he 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 listens to the show, and uh, you know, we have a lot of fun doing this, and and uh, I just wanted to point that out. So yeah, no, that's good, done. Good marks well, and and. Good marks to Liam, and, and you know, I, you know more than anything, Liam, everybody who does listen to the show gets it. You know what I'm saying? What we're doing here, sticks and taps, the whole Irish combo, everything else. Yeah. You know, the hockey is obviously a big mix, but the uh, the uh, the Irish, you know, uh, flavor to this is, is a big thing. And uh, Liam gets it and a lot of guys, so we appreciate that. And uh, I just want to know where the hell my jersey. <laughs> <laughs> or, or am I getting the girdle? <laughs> Well, I think I think he's going to send you the jock. <laughs> Always the way. Always the way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I kind of felt bad saying that. No one's pretty certain <laughs> that you probably hadn't got one. But <laughs> it's all right. But, you know, I'm good. I mean, I'm good. Uh, hey, listen, I want a huge thanks to Liam, uh, mostly really just for listening because we do get off the rails on occasion. So for anybody who hangs around for the hour or so, thanks very much. But it's uh it's a gorgeous, gorgeous sweater. I still call them sweaters. You know, I don't call them Absolutely. locker rooms. It's a dressing room. I don't call it sidewall. I call it the boards, you know. I don't call it I mean, it's all these Americanized terms that have come into the Canadian game, Paul. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, we keep winning the Stanley Cup, man. Yeah, well, your cities do, <laughs> but you're not doing it without 14 Canadians on the roster. Uh, and a, and a hell of a bunch of Russians, too, man. No doubt about it. <laughs> yeah, there was a few. And, and uh, you know, anyway, I wanted to point that out about Vasilevsky. And, and obviously, he played great. Uh, the cons might went to the right guy. But, you know, you know, Braden Point, I'm sure, finished second. Although I haven't seen that in official voting. But you have to assume that he did. You have to assume that um, – that, uh, um, Heskinen would have got some votes for Dallas and probably Hudobin would have got some votes. Vasilevsky, no question. Kucherov, couple others. But I mean, that Tampa team, John Cooper, they were the better team. Look, the game, here's the thing I want to talk about right now, right out of the gate. 
I know the hockey wasn't all uh, Picasso oil painting here right through from the play-ins, but the amount of people, you know, I played golf yesterday with a very dear friend of mine. There were two groups of us who went out and this guy is actually holds a Canadian record. He's the oldest man ever to play Canadian university hockey. He did so at 30 years of age. He came back to school to complete his, his, um, his degree in his fifth year, he was 30, tried out for the hockey team, and he made it. McGill University in Montreal, one of the most storied universities in the entire country. His name's Ron Warwick. And right off the first tee, he starts crying about how, you know, it was just such a poor representation of the game. With Even the, 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 the initial team photo, which was all done, I, I'm assuming, orchestrated by Steve Stamkos, where Batman hadn't really even fully awarded the cup, and they did they did the team photo, and then yeah. he awarded it, and they everybody did their tour and everything. So he's he's just ranting and raving. I'm going rocket. The guy can absolutely still fly. He's late fifty nine years old. He can still fly on the ice. Anyway, he's crying about it. And for anybody else that is crying about it, shut the hell up. You were probably the people that were saying, "Don't even do it." We got. The playoffs, they did the right thing by bringing in 24 teams. They set it up the right way with the round robin and a play-in with a best of five, which did not upset the integrity of four best of sevens. The rest of it, yes, of course, in, in, in an artificial scenario, two rinks in Canada because the least amount of problems with COVID, over 30,000 tests with a positive result, and we had a ton of great hockey. So was the final the greatest? No, of course not. It, it wasn't. And I wrote, did a little thing, my little wheel and Wednesday there. I haven't done it in over a year. Did it, posted it yesterday for fun on Facebook and just said, look it, if Dallas and Vegas are playing a traditional best of seven going back and forth and Vegas has home ice, Vegas probably win that series. I mean, their fans, what everybody has said about the experience in there, Polly, uh, you've heard it. I've heard it. We've talked Seen about it. Too, it. Yeah. Haven't experienced it. Yeah, we haven't experienced it firsthand, but you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that might have made a difference point is they said they'd get it done they said they'd try it and they did they said the intention was to award a stanley cup in 2020 and they did the majority of hockey was excellent in my opinion and if you didn't watch it good on you you know what you have that right but then why go on publicly about it anywhere and cry cry because maybe not every single period of every game give me any other year where that was the case where every series and every game and every series had you riveted to your couch or your chair. Because most of you are too fat, too lazy, and can't skate anyway. So you're going to just sit there and cry because somebody went ahead and got something done. So I loved it. I thought it was great. The best team won. I was pulling for Dallas and Rick Bonus, but the best team won. And they were a, they're a hell of a team. And they could have won five years ago, but they lost to a better team in Chicago. And they've been one of the top teams. And look at how they got smoked last year by Columbus. Mm -hmm. And what do they do, Paulie? They go out and pick up Goudreau and uh, who's the other guy? They got they 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 traded for a Coleman from New Jersey. Yep. They trade two first round picks to get these guys. Do you know that that uh, Goudreau I think played a minute uh, more than Kucherov or ninety seconds more? Yeah. Can you believe that? Mm -hmm. But. This is how you put Stanley Cup winning teams together. You have to understand the makeup of player one to player 18. You can't have 
18 highly skilled guys. And Julian Brisebois, and before him, Steve Eiserman, because this is really a Brian Murray, Brian Burke, Anaheim scenario 2007. Yeah. When Brian Murray constructed a good chunk of that team, and then Brian Burke came in and finished it up, and they got a Stanley Cup out of it. And that's what's happened here. Steve Eiserman constructed a good chunk of this team, then Julian Brisebois came in and put the finishing touches together. I loved it. I thought it was great. I'm thrilled they got a they got a Stanley Cup awarded in 2020. Let's understand what we're living under here in a pandemic that's affected the entire world the mm-hmm. first time in 102 years. And yet people went online or my buddy Rocket yesterday on the first tee and were crying, crying. Oh, my God. Cry me a river. While he's and, out playing and, golf uh, and during a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're out playing golf. Exactly. It's what you should be doing. Maintaining social distancing six feet from the bar. And, uh, and and we had a fantastic time, by the way, despite a little rain. But regardless, I thought it was great. And I love the whole thing. Yeah, no, it, it's, you know, it coincides with just everything. Uh, all of us as sports fan. I mean, we got baseball playoffs right now. Uh, football's going on. Uh, the NBA Finals started last night. I mean, you know, back in March. Oh, uh, through- Yankees win. <laughs> <laughs> and they got the big run coming up against Devin. We'll see what happens. But oh, they're going to have their hands full, man. But listen, uh, you, you but, not, I'll tell you, you know right what? Now, Paul. We get to watch it. I mean, back in March, April, yeah. May, June, we had nothing. We had nothing. And I'm right with you as far as uh, you know anybody complaining. I mean, give me a break. And as yeah. as freaking hockey fans, man, just to look. I mean, the commitment those guys. Put in, yeah, they get paid a lot of money. You know, you talk about the league and everything else, but the NHLPA, the Players Association, agree with this too. As great as it is for Tampa, you can definitely see it with Jamie Ben and, and his post game conference, uh, the the loss because you know they gave up sixty days of their lives, you know, as well too with their families and friends, but they have the loss, you know. So that was just uh, really tough for them. But hey, man, it was it was fantastic. It was great. Like I said, it's, it's, it was per- it wasn't perfect. How could it be perfect? Even in normal circumstances, most of the games. Uh, you know, the series aren't perfect, and just the, the you could go back and forth with the officiating. There's so many different things, but look, we're on the other side of it, and like I said, I can only say what I was saying earlier. Um, I enjoyed, you know, I turned my phone off with five minutes left, and I just watched the whole thing, and I just loved the celebration, the hugs. You know, you you know it too, man. Like on any level that you play, as far as just being a teammate, being part of a team, being part of something. And being old school hockey fans and, and growing up with the game and, and and just knowing how hard it is to win that trophy and how much harder it was to win this year and to experience that, to have that again, again, like we have a Stanley Cup champion. We have a winner. Uh, we got to watch the games. It was fantastic, and there were some great moments, some great storylines. But yet, at the end of the day, seeing Stevie Stamkos raise that up and, and then the big party down in Tampa – Man, what a blast they're having. And then you got to see the, uh, I don't know if you saw the, the videos of them, you know, uh, reconnecting with their families after they got back. Yeah. And yeah. they had a freaking boat parade. Stamkos is on a jet ski with the Stanley Cup. It's fantastic. Yeah. They're having a blast. They had them in the stadium. Um, so good on them. Fantastic. And as hockey fans, they're talking about, we might be back on the ice here in a couple of months. So get yeah. over it, everybody. Well, We're yeah, blessed. Absolutely. Get over it. They'll figure it out. 
whether we get back, as you say, when, when we get back, we get back. And I know they're going to do everything in their power to try and have an 82-game season and, again, award a Stanley Cup in 2021. And, and, uh, and we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But at this point right now, um, you know, the game itself, soon as points scored, I mean, I figured if Dallas could have got the first goal, maybe they, they just looked like they, they needed an adrenaline injection so badly because they were shut down, you know, they're getting power plays. And, you know, I, I watched that so closely and I watched them. They gained the zone. Like I'm a Hab fan and I've been so frustrated with their power play the last three, three years, four years in particular. And I watched Dallas gain the zone, move the puck around. Tampa just gave them nothing. You know, they couldn't really, they just couldn't, they, well, we, we know they, they got shut out, but I mean, at the end of the day, um, Tampa was the better team. If Dallas could have popped one in, may, maybe got energized again and found a way, which they've done the entire playoff. But, hey, man, better team won. Love the celebration. You're right about Jamie Benn. Uh, he just, he, his reaction, his comments, his body language really spoke for the entire Dallas organization, I'm sure. Rick Bonus's comments after, very, po- uh, you know, very pointed mm-hmm. about how it was, now you're looking back at the 65 days you spend there and you come away, you think it's nothing. Years from now, for a lot, some a lot of these guys, this will be it for them. Yeah. They'll never, they'll never get back to a final or win a cup. It's just the reality of it. And and uh, in Rick's case, sadly, that's been that's been a lifelong for him, as we now know. It's been well so well documented. Nobody's coached more games as a head coach or assistant coach or an associate coach. In NHL history, over 2,400 and numerous trips to the final, and uh, and unfortunately, no uh, no silver chalice for him. But uh, at the end of the day, buddy, um, I just wanted to to say that again. I wrote it yesterday on Facebook. Wanted to say it again on our show here that uh, the detractors and the naysayers and the just the people crying like stuck pigs, like go away, put your head back in the sand. Like what is wrong with your sorry ass lives? My God, you know, anyway, uh, I loved it. And uh, very thankful, very thankful to the league and the players and all the infrastructure staff that maintained it. You just said, we're sitting back watching on TV. That was because a lot of people made the same sacrifices as the players did. And I had friends here from Ottawa that were that were that were were part of the Toronto bubble okay. in different capacities, and and uh, Chris Cook and Mike D'Amico, and so you know what I mean. Mike said he'd never do it again, and and he only did the Toronto thing. And when everybody went to Edmonton, he's got a young family. He yeah. left them. Yeah. He was asked to go and do it, and he went and did it. Mm-hmm. And he said he probably wouldn't do it again. But he was glad that he was asked and and very honored, actually, to, to have been asked. And he was part of the stats crew that was down there providing s- some of the numerous stats that came out of Toronto. And obviously, there would have been people doing the same thing at Edmonton. So, mm-hmm. so whatever fashion, it starts up again, as you say, we hope, uh, potentially within a couple months or early January, whenever, I will be just as thrilled. And and with and and sitting back with just as much anticipation, eagerness, and joy as I was when the play-in round started, and then eventually the four rounds of the playoffs, right through to Game Six on Sunday night, which ironically, the anniversary of the Paul Henderson uh, 
game yes, eight. So I saw it's you uh, that out game too. eight. Which, yeah. Yeah, which we talked about last week. So so there you have it, brother. Yeah, no, good stuff. I'm I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we're we're lucky and and when it comes back, and I think that's um that's gonna be a lot of fun to watch, I think, you know, and again, it's uh you know, I heard Bettman uh uh, yesterday on Sirius XM, and he, you know him, him and Fear have already talked. So the discussions are there, and they do. They have a, a, an incredible uh, logistics uh, planning to do. It can't be done the same way, and uh, we'll we'll not speculate. We'll just sit back and wait. But as fans, it's uh, of this league, of this game, and the people who are in charge of it right now. We're in good hands, and we'll just sit back and we'll watch it. We got the draft next week, and and, and we'll go from there. So. You know, you're speaking of bonus here and talking about guys who haven't won and how hard it is to get there. And, and I, I, we definitely got to talk about uh, Henrik Lundqvist, obviously, uh, close yeah. to my heart here in New York uh, with the Rangers. So, um, you know, a couple of guys that were, were part of their, um, I guess, you know, the Rangers getting back to, you know, high graces since the, the 90s and stuff. And that was Mark Stahl and and Lundqvist and Girardi and all these other guys, and even guys like McDonough, you know, who went to uh, Tampa and a lot of guys in between and coaching changes from Tom Rennie to John Tortorella to Alain Vigneault and now uh, with Quinn behind the nets. And uh, Hank has been this, you know, just uh, mega franchise superstar player, uh, totally um, accepted and welcomed and earned his keep here as the king in New York and a long story career. We don't know if it's officially over. It's definitely over with the New York Rangers, but um, you know, two guys, Mark Stahl and, and, and Hank, this happened real quick here uh, for us as Ranger fans. Uh, we, we never thought they'd, they'd be able to get rid of Mark Stahl. Not, and I hate to say get rid of, I think it's more about the contract and, and the money and everything yeah. else. But um, you know, first to Mark, just a, a world-class guy played through so many injuries. Uh, the fact that that guy got knocked down so many times, literally by his brother, uh, his vision. Uh, and he played through it all. Um, had some epic battles here in the, in the Metro division here against uh, Ovi and Sid over the years in terms of the Rangers playoff runs. And then Hank here too. Um, I could go on and on and on about it, but I, you know, just segue in here as far as a guy like Rick. And now here's Hank who, just an incredible elite goaltender, uh, not only in this league but in the world, and he's, he's performed on the world stage and obviously winning gold medals there with Sweden. But, you know, he's one of those guys who walks away and he doesn't, he doesn't win the championship. He doesn't get there. He, I mean, he gets to the finals, but he doesn't win it. So I'd love to hear uh, your take. I mean, I could, you know, grovel and, and break out the Kleenex here and stuff. Uh, but um, And I'll talk about, maybe we'll also talk about, you know, the Rangers as an organization and this tough decision and then moving forward with the future. Uh, coinciding with the draft next week and, and the number one pick. But uh, just, you know, Liam, what do you say about Henrik Lundqvist? Well, I think he's a Hall of Famer uh, at some point. And, and uh, I thought, I, I echo everything you just said. I think he's been one of the world's best goaltenders throughout his career, especially in his prime. Um, as you said, in Sweden, helping the Rangers get to a Stanley Cup final. I mean, just things, as I say, when you look back and you don't get a win, it, it it sucks, right? But I do think once careers are over, and not when you're at the rocking chair stage, but maybe at some point overall when you're sound mind and body still and you're looking back and say, damn, you know, I mean, we were good. And it didn't work out for us, but we were good. And he should be able to look back and hold his head high. He was one of the main reasons that they did anything, really, during the stretch of success that the Rangers had, the time that he was in net, 
he was largely responsible for it, in my opinion. I think you would you would echo that that sentiment. You would back that up. And I do recall saying to you before the pandemic broke and uh, asking, uh, it came up in conversation when we knew they were dealing with this three-headed monster. And I said to you, and this is, I know we've got the archives on these. I'm not, don't want to pull a Don Cherry here too much so and say, I remember you kids, I, I said this, go back. And then he'd have Ron McLean play the clip. But I'm telling you, I recall saying it, Polly, and I said, why don't the Rangers just buy him out? You know, and you went, oh, I don't know, I don't know. You know, I mean, we didn't get into it. We didn't really elaborate on it or go deep into it. But I recall saying to you that I thought it was something that they should consider. Because I am so sold on Shesterkin. Shesterkin. Shesterkin or Shesty. Keep it to Shesty, baby. Because that's, that's, that's what they're going to be chanting at the garden, baby. Shesty. I'm telling you right Imagine they've got two Russian goaltenders, and I know he was a draft choice, I believe fourth round, and they got Gorgachev, I'm saying that right, Georgia. as a free agent, I think. And and uh, they, I like him too, the little bit I've seen of him. And they're both, what, 24 years old? Love him. I mean, Georgie this boy. is the future. Future of New York goaltending is right there, and it's not Henry. And you know what? If you watch the playoffs, you saw it. He let in goals that he would not have let in. I know in in um, in 2017, that second round, uh, he he played so well against Montreal. He actually played better than Carey Price, really by a noticeable amount, as far as I'm concerned. And then he was terrible against Ottawa. He was brutal. The whole team was. But I want to give Ottawa credit too because they got went on some you know one of these magical runs right took them right to double yeah. overtime game seven against the Penguins so give credit where it's due but Lundqvist was terrible and to me that was it that was it he hit his he hit his peak and it was it's been downhill since then because that's the way it goes you know I mean not everybody can go out like Johnny Bauer still kicking out BBs at 45 years of age in the late 60s. You know, it just doesn't work that way. And and uh, I, I just think he's a Hall of Famer to me whenever he does decide to pack it in. If he wants to take a backup role somewhere, I don't think he can be a starter anywhere in the NHL. And then there's talk, you know, because his brother's playing in Sweden back home and he'll go back and play over there. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe he'd do that for a year. I really... To be honest with you, I, I, think, I think when it's said and done here, and he will probably have some options, I, I don't think they'll be attractive enough. I don't think he really is concerned about making another paycheck myself. I don't know. Get your thoughts on this as soon as I'm done rambling here. But, I mean, I, I, I love the guy as a goaltender. I think he's a Hall of Famer. He's been the heart and soul of the Rangers. But I think they made the right call. I'm 100% convinced they made the right call on both him and Stahl, to be honest. And we're seeing it here in Ottawa. How ironic. They bought out Bobby Ryan, and they told Craig Anderson they're not doing anything more with him. And he has been their heart and soul. Anything the Senators have done since they picked up Anderson in that deal in Colorado, I believe. He, he has been uh, uh, their heart and soul and key ingredient. He really has. Notwithstanding Eric Carlson in the playoffs of 2017, Eric played out of this world. Other guys at different times. You cut the tail end of Alfie. You know, you got some things. But Craig Anderson, much like Lundqvist, has been the heart and soul of the Ottawa Senators. Lundqvist, better goaltender, did more in his career 
But I, I think the Rangers did the right thing, Paulie. And uh, I, I applaud them. And I applaud him. And, and now we'll see on a goal forward. I tell you, Rangers got a lot of cap space, right? And they're, they, I, I like this team. I told you this. I've told you this. I, I, I like this team. They're, they're going in the right direction and they're doing it. Matt, look, a couple of years ago when they sent out the note, right, yeah. publicly mm-hmm. to all their fans and said, hey, stay with us here. We're going to suck. Well, we're going to turn this thing around. And they did that probably even maybe quicker than a lot of fans were anticipating. And to a lesser degree, not a lesser degree, but almost to as similarly, the Toronto Maple Leafs did the same thing, right? With Babcock there said, look, it's going to be growing pains. The Shanna plan, there's going to be growing pains. <laughs> but they've regressed. They've yeah. regressed, whereas the Rangers are still going up. And they've proved that to me. And Toronto a little bit by, by letting Cody CC go. That had to happen. Mm-hmm. But the Rangers did the right thing here, and I got nothing but praise for King Henry. Yeah, man, it's um, it's it's you know as a, as a lifelong fan here, and, and the ups and downs, and, and everything else, and, and starting with the letter, and you know myself, one of the reasons I've gotten back on air here talking hockey, and and you know I do a, a Rangers podcast, with my buddy Kevin, um, we basically got back together because you know the, with the rebuild and these guys starting. First of all, uh, you know, it starts with Sather, you know, handing the reins over to Gordon. And Gordon's yeah. just, uh, he's made all the right moves so far. He's been incredibly impressive. And, you know, a bonus for us getting J.D. back here as president of operations. Uh, you got time. two guys because J.D. is just an incredible consummate professional uh, as far as conversations and, you know, everything that's um, you know, behind He bleeds blue. He bleeds yeah, blue. It's, um, and, and, and that helps uh, for the, the diehard Ranger fan base here in terms of patience, I think. You know, him coming over. I mean, sometimes we, we, we forget. He's only been here a year now, J.D., and, uh, and, and Gordon's only had the reins here about two years himself. So uh, all good stuff. So what I'll have to say about Hank and, and, and you know, you bring up the buyout and everything, and, and, and we'll find out here in the next couple of weeks, couple of months, when the, the interviews come out or the decisions get made. You know, his agent said, you know, that nothing's uh, – everything's still on the table. Um, but as far as our discussions last night, and we did a show on the Rangers, and my, my buddy brought up a good point too, is and and as far as the buyout and, and going somewhere else, you know, Hank, there's a couple of decisions that Hank made here, especially this uh, last season and two seasons ago. It starts with the rebuild, and then obviously um, with the changes that were being made and the goaltenders coming in and him, you know, being willing to stay here as a backup and, and kind of uh, sit back. And he didn't demand a trade. Uh, we don't know uh, if he had the opportunity to go and, and have that opportunity either last year or this season, he could have done that. He didn't do it. Um, the buyout himself, uh, you know, he could have stayed here with me as a, as a, you know, a business decision here for the Rangers. We all uh, basically, you know, the Rangers aren't winning the cup next year. They're probably not winning in two years. They might not win in three years. So, you know, why not leave Hank here for another year and, as far as the money, the buyout, save it, let him finish the contract. Same thing with stall, and we would have been all right with it, whatever. So anyway, it happens, the buyout happens. But my buddy Kevin brought up a good point last night, if you don't mind me just sharing it. As far as Hank's decision, and we won't know, obviously, until what happens here, but if he doesn't, if he retires, or if he doesn't go play with someone else, he said something really kind of, which is probably Hank himself as a player. Not winning the Stanley Cup, with the Rangers is might be more important than him not winning the Stanley Cup at all. If you can understand that, in terms of um, his decision making here, and 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 coming and coming to a buyout, you know we don't because I only look at that as a good point because he had the opportunity 
to do this the last two years, you know? Because, you know, this was all in front of him, you know, as far as where the Rangers were going with the organization. And obviously things happened real fast with Chesley coming in and, and Georgiev playing so well, uh, you know, himself too, and the 300 monster. But, you know, those are questions that will be answered down the road here, and it'll be uh, really surprising to to hear one way. But, you know, when you talk about Falunda, I read his uh, column in the Players' Tribune, and he talked about, uh, this was like two years ago, and uh, they do this thing where they talk about, you know, their young self, and he brings you through yeah. his whole career. And he, he talks about Joel and how they started and, and, and how he got to the guard and everything else. Um, I love that, by the way. I love that. Yeah, it is. It, it, it is. It's really great uh, to, to check that out and go inside and, um, you know, find out how the player got there and, and the great story. So who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens. But that's, that's Hank. I mean, for me as a fan, he did all he could. Um, he was great. Um, I want to ask you this, too, as well, uh, discussion. I mean, Hank, as far as his burnout there at the end, he played on, you know, a lot of Ranger teams, obviously the only Ranger team uh, organization he played here. But throughout the years, certain players, Liam, they are they be they they're an elite player on a team, and they're maybe not there aren't they're not compensated with surrounded or they're not surrounded by other elite players, and sometimes that's what's got to get you to you know you know winning a championship. And Hank got close. Hank had to do a lot of work. He maybe didn't always have the best defenseman in front of him, and he definitely obviously didn't have the best uh, offensive support in front of him. Just kind of curious, is there something else or another player, another couple of guys that might stand out that were just elite players but were on teams that just never had enough to get over the hump? Uh, not that that's an excuse, but is there something there that you could maybe see a guy like Hank or just maybe guys who don't make it, um, Just they just didn't have that extra thing. You could talk about the great teams in Colorado, the great teams in uh, New Jersey, um, obviously Montreal. I mean, those elite superstar teams just – uh, players in all the right positions. You brought it up earlier. Tampa Bay, they went out and made changes, and it just kind of all connected for them, and that's what gets them over the hump here. Um, so just your take on that in terms of Hank and his part in NHL history with teams and players who just, they were elite players, but they never got there. Well, I'll go back to uh, to Kevin's point, uh, your, your co-host there on your Rangers podcast, and I think I would cite maybe a Ray Bork as an example there who – I mean, this guy, if I say Hank bleeds blue, uh, Ray Bork has the Boston crest tattooed on his on his heart, on his on his butt, on anything and everything, probably. But, you know, after nearly after basically 20 years in Boston, they cut him loose. He goes to Colorado. They have a good run. He stays with them one more year. They win the Stanley Cup. And, you know, what did he do with it on his day? He took it to Boston. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean. Um, I, I think if, if, if an offer came to Hank to go somewhere and it was on a roster that he thought maybe because wherever he goes, he's just going to come in as a backup. That's the difference from a goaltender where Ray came in and was still playing top four minutes yeah. on Colorado, despite his age, you know, for Hank, I just think if, if any, you gave any of these guys an opportunity to move around because it's not like it was. You know, in the old days, when I say the old days, even prior to, to, to you and me, if you go way back, the movement of the stars was very minimal. You know, your key guys really hardly ever moved. I mean, yes, there were some changes, but usually your secondary scoring type guys maybe might move after you had an extended run with them or something, and they might go to another team. 
But you look at the list of players who have won Stanley Cups with two teams and only the small handful that have won with three and only two that have won overall with four. And they're both way back at the turn of the last century. So it just gives you an idea that it's how difficult it is to win one, let alone have a chance to get a second. And I just think that if Hank was ever presented with an opportunity, I'll be, you know, depending on where the heck he could possibly go and fit in. I think he would do it, you know, if if the situation was right. I don't think the money's going to be an issue right now. It's just a question of, I think, would he would he be able to go somewhere and and uh, and contribute to a franchise that he thought maybe had a shot at the Stanley Cup? I think he would do that if he was given the right situation. Keep in mind, I'm saying that not knowing necessarily that there that that even exists. Yeah, I'm just saying I think that. I use Ray Bork as an example. He never, ever would have pictured him in the 80s and through the 90s. You know, the Bruins went to the finals in 88 and 1990. And, you know, 10, seven, eight years later, they're going to the semifinals in the early 90s. They're still a powerhouse. He is their heart and soul. Everything revolves around him. You cut him loose to go to Colorado? I mean, it it would have been unthinkable. But he did it, and they didn't win, you know. And Theo Fleury tried the same thing, and it didn't work out for him, you know. And and uh, San Jose tried it by bringing in Solani and Paul Correa. Yeah. And it, it, it didn't work out for them. Like, you know, well, I was going to talk about the, the line A trade potential. And you look at 1996, Winnipeg traded Timo Solani after, uh, after his fourth season in the league. This is the guy who scored 76 goals as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Four seasons later, they deal him. They dealt him. And, and for who? Oleg Tevrodovsky and Chad Kilgren. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> I mean, there were a couple other draft picks and stuff, but give me a break. John Paddock made arguably the biggest mistake of his life. And Jack Ferreira, who was a general manager of the Ducks, absolutely screwed him over big time. And yeah, did Solani bounce from Anaheim and then back before getting that cup in 07? He did. But... Point is, is that right now, this is pretty raw, pretty new. Hard to imagine Hank going anywhere else. Look what we've had to endure as hockey fans just in our lifetime. Bobby Orr in a Chicago Blackhawk sweater. Guy Lafleur in a New York Ranger and a Quebec Nordique sweater. Guy Lafleur. Gordy Howe in a Hartford Whaler sweater. You know, go down the line. Mm-hmm. on how many others that you would never, ever in a million years think of them being with another team, none more so than those guys. Bobby Hull, you know, leaving Chicago. Go down the line. There's so many superstars. Even if you went way back, guys like Howie Morenz got traded, you know? Yeah. I mean, if Hank ended up on another NHL team, I bet you, and I'll ask you, I'll ask you, as a hardcore Ranger fan, hypothetically, there's 31 other teams once Seattle joins. So it wouldn't be this year. So call 30 other teams outside the Rangers. If he ended up anywhere else, would you be pissed off or would you support him still? Oh, my God, 100%. And the team, I, I, if he goes anywhere, I'd love him to go to Rado. I mean, you know, you, you talk about those guys. Like, when Bork went, and we talk about elite teams, like the, the surrounding you know, Solani plays on a, on an Anaheim Duck team that just has just incredible talent. Niedemar, all those guys. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. I believe Perry and, and Getzlaff are on that team. Uh, Chris Pronger. Uh, yeah. Rock I on mean, D. Exactly. Niedemeyer. 
Yeah, you can go yeah. on and on. When Bork Old goes Danny to Kevin. Colorado, Sackick's still playing, you know? All, all those guys. Forsberg, I mean, and uh, Blake was on that team. Rob Blake was on that yeah. squad. So, and even even when Patrick Waugh leaves Montreal and he goes to, you know, Colorado at that time, they were all younger and stuff, but still just an incredible team. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. and you look at Hank now, where where could he go? You know, you might have thought Toronto maybe a, a year or two ago. I don't know if that's really the place for him to go. But to me, it's funny. And Colorado seems to have a success rate with guys going there and then winning championships. And it's no yeah. knock on, on Grubau or whatever. But, um, oh, man, number one, of course, wherever Hank goes, it's just like McDonough and Shattenkirk uh, winning the cup with Tampa Bay. Absolutely. So incredibly happy for those guys. You know, uh, you McDonough, McDonough yeah. went through the freaking wall for us. He's a, a captain. You yeah. know, I mean, you, that never changes. You know, it's like when Mess went and to Vancouver. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I know. Don't go the, there. The Habs have. Again, again, just another. Scotty Gomez anywhere? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, they, they, they got him. I mean, they had, they had to, you know, try and substantiate that, saying that nobody carried the puck out of the defensive zone better than Scotty Gomez. And you know what? He was hell in a cell in the early 2000s. But what a what an absolute travesty that was from a Montreal Oh, well, take another shot there, buddy. Oh, no, there you go. Um, um, so I got one left in this bottle, then I got to crank <laughs> yeah, up and do it. So I'm going to save it again. So, you know what? Uh, just, I'm glad to hear you say that. I figured that would be the case. I don't know how anybody, any hardcore Ranger fan, would think less of uh, of Hank if he did end up signing with a, with another team. Somebody could bring him in. Like I said, I don't think he's going to go to Arizona. I don't no. think he's going to go someplace where the weather's good. I mean, forget about the pandemic for a second. Just to say hypothetically, okay, Hank yeah. is unrestricted. He's got his body of work, but, you know, and he's got his history. He's got his legacy. Can the guy still actually help a team in a backup capacity? Yeah. Like, if you say, Hank, look, you're going to play 25 games, maybe maybe a couple more, less than 30, though, probably, and just under 30. I think 27, 28 is what you want a backup to do. And uh, obviously, you ain't making what you've just been making, so you got to fit in their salary structure. Do you want to come? I mean, I could see that scenario happening. You're saying where? I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I don't Money's not going to be an issue for Hank. You know what I'm saying? The guy's loaded. I mean, that, that's no. not an issue. No. But I just think you no. got to look at the lineup. And I'm, I'm just thinking about all the guys on Colorado right now. I mean, that's just, that would be that would be the place to go as far as I'm concerned. Well, yeah. Again, you know, as discuss, discussing the names we were throwing around earlier, you know, guys are moving different reasons. And, and they, they, you know, I mean, Lafleur coming out of retirement, uh, Bobby Orr trying it one more time on his shot left knee. Uh, you know, Gordy Howe was a grandfather, played in WHA. I mean, everyone's got their story. Uh, you know, so Hank right now is is obviously well past, you know, well into the back nine of his NHL career. So wherever he goes, it's 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 in an understanding that obviously that it's a backup role. And as you say, the the money shouldn't be an issue. They'll give him they could give him a nice little low seven figure and. I'm sure he'd be a happy camper, but it's just, well, does he really want to do it? You know, does he really want to do it? What's living is, is you know, what the whole, the whole situation is just going to be interesting to, uh, to see. I, I just, I just think he's, he's going to pack it in. I, I think unless his brother persuades him to do a year in Sweden back home, I could see that maybe. I agree maybe. with you. I think that's probably where he's going to go. Yeah. I, I think he's done in the, I think he's done in the NHL. I, I, I just think he is. I, I just, 
for him to come down off the pedestal he's been on, accept the backup role. Like you say, forget about the money. Doesn't matter, Team XYZ. Accept the backup role. Has to obviously be somebody that he feels has a legit shot at the Stanley Cup. Yep. You're really only talking about five or six franchises here, really. And and then you got to highlight their goaltending situation. Like, I don't know. I mean, pretty much hope he's done in Washington. He's definitely done as a starter. But you can't bring Hank in as a starter, though. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Like, we've got to be we got to be honest with ourselves here. And honest is, you know, that he absolutely does not have the capability to be a starter anymore. So, you know, wherever he goes, I don't know. But I just I, I just that's why I, I kind of lean towards his brother and uh, and the home country for a year. You know, I think it'd be a hell of a swan song, man. Seen a lot of guys do it. A lot of Russians go back. A lot of a lot of other Euros go back. And they play back in their native country. Look at Jagger. He's still playing. I know. <laughs> you know, he owns a team, mind you. But, uh, <laughs> you know, still, you can't get him off the ice. And he's a bajillion years old. But, uh, you know, I mean, he, it ran its course. Look at how many teams he bounced around yeah. for here and did nothing yeah. for them. And yet you've got a percentage of the hockey fan base are going, oh, get Jagger. He's so good. Oh, look at him. <laughs> The way he stick candles and warm up. Look at his hair, you know, and he'll do the salute. Problem is for him to do the salute is he has to score a goal. Yes. And how'd that work when Boston had him in the playoffs that year? He didn't oh. score one goal. Brutal. So, you know, it's like Chris Chelios the last three, four years. Guy's the all-time games played leader, holds the NHL record of winning the Stanley Cup with two teams the furthest apart, 17 seasons, Montreal 86, Detroit 02 and Hall of Famer, Norris Trophy winner. <laughs> he stayed on too long. Do people even realize his last NHL team was the Atlanta Thrashers? I, I was just going to say it was the Thrashers, baby. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't think Hank wants that on his resume either. So it's got to be a fit. And I think the easiest one and most likely is, is back home if he does anything. But I really think the first option here is I don't think he's going to play. So we'll see. Yeah, and, we'll and you see. know, but man, God just... love him, and I think he's a Hall of Famer. Three years, I think he's if he's not first ballot, he's second ballot, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. That's that how was... much I like him. Yep, and the numbers going up in the rafters of the Garden, so he's uh... yeah, hundred percent. But and and the last thing hey, I'll so just say... Paulie, Paulie, yeah, let me ask you, let me ask you. So who who do you take in their prime, Hank or uh, or Mike Richter? Wow, That's a tough one, eh? Um, well, Mikey won, you know, <laughs> I know that, right. I mean, he had a couple that, of goalposts. He had a couple of goalposts help him out there in the end, but, matter, um, man. goaltenders yeah. will tell you that's all the shooters had, <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. I lean towards Richter. I know Hank had a longer body of work and, uh, but you know, you forget, I mean, before the NHL players were allowed to play in the Olympics, Next to Miracle on Ice, the Americans' biggest win in hockey is a 96 World Cup, and Mike Richter was a goalie, and he played lights out, Look, and he I also has the Stanley Cup. I love Henrik Lundqvist, but yeah. Mike Richter, and a guy who I think actually, as far as his, as far as his setup, his training, his framing, uh, Georgiev yeah. here, uh, similar, there's just certain ways he kind of moves in the crease the same way Richter did, too. Mike was just yeah. unbelievable. Um, just a special guy coming in with Leachy back then. 
um, just so many great memories. I mean, there was a night, I think he stopped 50 something shots in Vancouver one night, you know, uh, you know, and back then I'm in my twenties there in, in, in the, in the nineties and just totally vested in this, you know, the team from, you know, when, um, you know, guys like Kelly Kissy and John O'Grodnick were on the team and, uh, James Patrick, you know, I mean, from 1990, they won the Patrick division and then all the changes and gravy coming in here and, and then mess. And then, you know, just, just going from that to everything. And then Richter coming in, you know, hand the Van B's were handing off the torch, you know, and then, you know, you can't you emotionally, you know, winning the Stanley cup. I mean, you, you can't, it's just incredible. And, you know, you know, here's the difference, right? When the Rangers get to the finals in 2014 against the Kings, I firmly believe that they are getting swept. And it was only because right. that, that one puck, and I think game three, obviously, it was that just didn't make it over the, the goal line there for yeah. the Kings or whatever. But the Kings were stacked. You know, I, I can't remember if they had just beaten Chicago. Three out of, three out of five games in overtime. Yeah, three out I mean, of five in OT. exactly. But, and they just, it was just, you know, unbelievable. But, um, yeah. You know, it's it's Mike, and it's it's not for anything else. It's just like I said, just more invested, more memories. I mean, Hank's there too, but um, I don't know. They're two different guys, just two incredible guys. And this is what I said about Hank, and I'll say the same thing about Richter: how lucky we were, how lucky yeah. we were that not only was Mike Richter uh, a franchise goaltender for this team, but also Henrik Lundqvist, Henrik Lundqvist, not only as a as a professional on the ice, but just an incredible professional off the ice. Just character. Yeah. Class. So as a Ranger fan, you can bitch and moan about losing, you know, guys, their career. It just happens. But, man, how lucky we were. And how lucky we are now with the emotional stuff being pulled away from us, you know, in the right way with J.D. and Gorton doing the hockey business that they should be doing and steering this team in the right direction for it looks like we're going to have many years to go, and it looks like we're going to either have Shesty or we're going to have Georgiev, but we've got Panarin and Truba, guys like Fox. We've got all this money now. we got Lafreniere hopefully getting picked here uh, next week. I mean, Wait a minute, going? wait a minute. Now you, you may have Jack Eichel. Well, <laughs> I mean, like, we don't even know this. We got, we've got all the – we're sitting here like, you know, it's like it's Christmas Eve and we don't know. But anyway – the New York Rangers uh, are in a, a great uh, position here, uh, letting go of yeah. two guys, long-term guys here, and, and moving forward. And you know that that's not easy. And in the past with Rangers, uh, and I know we're doing a hell of a lot of New York Rangers here right now at Sticks and Taps, um, but we've we've had uh, all these different players that have come into Broadway one way or the other. You know, um, Patford Beak and Theo Fleury, all these these. I mean, we've seen we've seen it all here in New York. We've had Gretzky, we've had Mess, we've had that that we we've, we've been the New York Oilers there to win the Stanley Cup. We've had everything, yeah. and this yeah. young team now moving forward is just it's a breath of fresh air. So again, I'll say it one more time: how lucky we were, Hank Lundqvist and even Mark Stahl, uh, guts and glory, blood, everything, and and they gave it their best shot, and we move on, and we move on. Fair enough to the draft, my friend. Um, let's yeah. uh, get some take on, on, on your thoughts. I, I know you want to talk about the Sens here a little bit, and obviously uh, uh, the potential line A uh, trade talk as well, too. So I'm, I'm just going to hand it over to you and, and appreciate your take on Hank, too. Great stuff. But uh, let's talk about the future now. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I just really had a quick comment I want to make. Uh, the, the city here is getting pretty buzzed, as you can imagine, for the draft. I mean, there's last time a team had two picks in the first round with the Islanders, I think, in 2000. 
um, I believe it was 2000, the year they took uh, Di Pietro, I think, and Rafi Torres, I believe. Greatest contract but, in the NHL uh, there, Di Pietro. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, not of not the action deal. Eh? Just, uh, the contract, it just keeps on giving, baby. Thank you, Mike Milberry. I'm sure they're still sending him Christmas cards, but... But you know what? Uh, yeah, I mean, Di Pietro, unfortunately, injuries and everything. But still, you know, I don't know if you'll ever see a goaltender go number one again. And yet Fleury went just a few years after him. But that said, uh, I, the, sense, the fans here are pretty pumped about it. And, you know, the conversation thing, there's a little bit of um, little, little bit of, of, um, of unsettling because Tampa Bay came into the NHL with Ottawa, right? Yeah. They got the expansion franchises. In December, Thursday, December 6, 1990, I was there, West Palm Beach, Florida, one of a contingent of 150 from Ottawa that went down. And they start in the NHL in 1992. And here now, Tampa Bay has actually been in the playoffs significantly less than Ottawa, but they've got two Stanley Cups to show for it. And so there's a little bit of angst in Sensland for that. And, and uh, it's not so much the draft I really wanted to talk about. I just wanted to make this point that it, the Ottawa Senators in four out of five years lost to the Toronto Maple Leafs in the playoffs. Okay, that's their arch rival. I mean, Montreal is right there because you had the two playoff series with the Habs in three years, and, and there was a tremendous amount of emotion. Ottawa won the first one. Montreal won the second one. But the, if you turn the clock back a decade and a half, you've got four out of five against the Leafs, where Ottawa lost them all. Now, I'll tell you this right now, Paulie. You switch coaches. You put Pat Quinn behind the Ottawa bench, and you put Jacques Martin behind the Toronto bench, and the Sens win at least two, if not three, of those series versus Toronto, and in my opinion, win at least one Stanley Cup. Okay. The difference was coaching in those Ottawa Senators' days, in my opinion. The president of the Senators in those days was a man named Roy Malacker. He, he broke he broke uh, bread coming up through the, the ranks of the American Hockey League, all the way up through, came to the NHL. He worked for the Los Angeles Kings. He worked for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And he came to the Senators as a president. And his job and his biggest job was, once he hired a general manager, was then to stay out of hockey ops and put bums in the seats. And he did it better than any president we've ever had here in Ottawa. And I used to sit in his office and he would tell me that Liam Jacques Martin could go down to the Prescott Hotel, is one of the most famous watering holes here in Ottawa, take 20 guys out of there and, and make the playoffs. He, he has that capability as an X's and O guy and a, a strategist understanding the fundamentals of the game. But there is that final kicker that you need as a head coach. Did you see the emotion from John Cooper? Yeah. Several times during the playoffs? Do you remember when Tampa won in 2004, who their head coach was? John Tortorella. JT, one of the man. most flamboyant, outgoing, animated coaches. Go down the line. Not every single one of them, but many of them. Maybe Barry, not so much Barry Trotz in Washington, but he had the fire. The guy still had the fire in the belly. He was an old-school defenseman in the Western Hockey League in Canada. Jacques Martin, not so much. You switch coaches in the early 2000s, the Sens would have a cup, 
and they would have been the Leafs three out of four times. Now, this draft coming up, they're going to get either Byfield or Stutzla in three, and then the big uh, debate in the last 48 hours or so or 72 hours has been who they take at five. A lot of that will be predicated on what Detroit do at four. Then they've got the Islanders pick at 28 for the Pajot deal, and then they've got four more picks in the second round. So I really want to sort of backdoor the draft and get into just commenting that if you switch the coaches in the 2000s, <laughs> they win a freaking Stanley Cup. Because Jacques Martin's um, an acquaintance. We've sparred before verbally. And who am I to him? You know, just a guy who goes on, talk hockey. I'm a historian, whatever. He's an incredibly accomplished guy. Put it this way, when Wayne Gretzky put his coaching staff together for Salt Lake and for the World Cup in 04 and Torino in 2006, he had Jacques Martin on it, but not as the head coach. Yeah, yeah. He had Pat Quinn as the head coach. Yeah. And they won the gold in 02, and they, they won in 2004. No one talks about it. It was a World Cup. They went undefeated. In fact, Canada never trailed in one game of those six games. And Shane Doan got the winner against Finland in the final, and Vinny LeCavalier got the winner in the semifinal in overtime against the Czechs. We never trailed. And Jacques Martin was on the staff, but he wasn't the head coach. So that's your first thing, is you've got to get the right guy behind the bench, man. You have to have the right guy. Ottawa is going to have a blast here uh, in the next seven days after this draft. But uh, that's all I really want to say about that, pal. No, good stuff. Hey, and Jock's uh, here in New York City now, so we'll see how it yeah. helps us out. And I tell you what, if he rubs me the wrong way, I'm calling you up. Oh, he's buddy. in the right spot. The right <laughs> spot, man. Hey, listen, he's got uh, he's got Stanley Cup rings, right, with Pittsburgh as, yep. as, as an assistant coach, and and like his talent and his his coaching acumen should be applauded. But there's a reason why he'll he does not have to date, nor will he ever have a Stanley Cup ring as a head coach because he's missing that final ingredient. Gotcha. And that final ingredient is you have to know when to let the passion go. And when sometimes, and the irony there is the last year that he coached, March 5th, 2004, Toronto beat Montreal, uh, Montreal, Toronto beat Ottawa on the playoffs that year. And, and that was it. He was let go after eight seasons. It was time. They finally realized, okay, we can't, he just can't get it done. And, and they moved on from there. But the irony is, on March 5th, at, right at the end of that season, the Ottawa Senators and the Philadelphia Flyers set the all-time record for most penalty minutes in one game. You know, Jacques never really had that ability to understand when you have to let the guys be violent and let the guys atone for, for misdeeds on the ice by the opposition. Take maybe not, don't worry about giving up a power play if it's to make a point on the ice, especially yeah. early in a best of seven. Those are the ingredients that I don't think he ever possessed. And I'll just give you a very, very quick example of that. One of the years that Ottawa lost to Toronto, I, I was on the air. I did the post-game show. They went all night, right? We're on for hours taking calls from disgruntled fans. As it turns out, Jacques listened to the whole thing, okay? You know how I know that? He told me. Wow. The next year, training camp, I went over to Hull with a buddy, a big guy, who ended up, I ended up helping him get a contract to play in the minors for two years in the late 1990s, uh, early 2000s. And we're over in Hull watching an exhibition game, and I run into Jacques, and he lit into me, man. He, he lit into me and, and said he was so disappointed in listening to how I was talking about him on the, the postgame show. This is like four months previous, right? Wow. And he said to me, he said, 
Do you not think if I had Shane Corson in my lineup over Magnus Arvidsson, I would have I played Shane Corson? I said, Jacques, it's not that I don't think he would have played Shane Corson over Magnus Arvidsson. It's just the first time Corson would have taken a penalty that, in your mind, you would have deemed to be too aggressive, too retaliatory, too, you know, uh, too ill-timed or whatever. You would have benched his ass, you know, when instead you got to turn around and you have to understand the circumstances and the situation when there has to be unbridled physicality and borderline somewhat controlled or uncontrolled violence in the game. Yeah, you got to go to war. Especially then still. Yeah. And he never, ever, ever got that. And and uh, I mean, we did a gig together in uh, Prince Edward Island a few years ago, and we both spoke. And this is at the University of Prince Edward Island. You know, it's like 300 people in the crowd. And he gets up before me. Right? He takes a couple big runs at me, man. <laughs> <laughs> On the stage. You know? I said, Jesus. Holy lifting. Give me, give me you know? one thing that he said. Give me one thing that he said about you. <laughs> I'd love to hear it. And do it with a French accent. <laughs> uh, you know, his English is, is impeccable. He, he's, he's absolutely impeccable. You know... <laughs> I'll tell you off the air. <laughs> okay. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> tell you off the air. Oh, he's jerked me about something else, too, and he's done it publicly <laughs> as well. That uh, That is uh, really, really ridiculous. But he's, he's he's gone there a few times, and he's done it publicly. So it's clearly it's bothered him. But it involves a third party uh, and not a male. So oh, no. believe, it at, believe, it, believe it at that. But uh, technical difficulties. <laughs> All right, buddy. You know what? I got. I want to say this. I know we've gone on long here, but I have the utmost respect for him. But he just would never win as a head coach. And I just think it, the Ottawa Senators, it came up on the local radio here a couple of days ago, and they were saying, you know, what were the differences? I mean, if you turn back, why did Ottawa not get a Stanley Cup? Easy! Not the wrong guy behind the bench to win a cup, but they had the right guy behind the bench to get the most out of that roster. Because we were a walk-up crowd. We never had a substantial, I say we, I've never, you know, I mean, the Sens never had a substantial season ticket base. So they needed that six, eight, nine thousand walk-up for viability and for profitability. And Jacques Martin would could ensure and would ensure that the Ottawa Senators won the majority of their games, which they did. They were one of the most successful teams in the NHL for 10 years in the regular season. Yeah. <laughs> and then when it came time in the playoffs, that's where he fell short. And when they let him go, and where did he go on? I mean, when he moved out of Colorado to come to Ottawa, they went on to win the Stanley Cup that year. He was, he, you know, he was an assistant coach with Mark Crawford. Yeah. And he came to Ottawa. Mark Crawford went on to win the Stanley Cup as a head coach that year. Yep. You know? So. I was there. You know, what's Mark Crawford? Mark Crawford is. It, like, unless you want to get mired down and all the Todd, Bartu, Todd Bertuzzi stuff, Mark Crawford, he, first of all, he played the game, played in the finals, 1982 Vancouver Canucks against the Islanders. Total fire, brimstone, passion. You can you can cite all the scars. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. But at the end of the day, you cannot take away the fact he's a Stanley Cup winning coach. Yeah. And, and if you look at the guys, the overwhelming majority of them, they got that here. And I'm pointing at my heart where you have to have that and be able to channel it. And, and uh, 
I, I think John Cooper showed that. This guy's a lawyer. Yeah. He's got a law degree. He's one on every and, level, you know, too. He's one at every level. He, yep. he packs in his 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 uh his law business to to coach in the United States Hockey League. For God's sake, did you see him behind the bench, Paulie? He was coming right out of that suit the way he was swinging that right hand. So uh, he's a uh, he's anyway. a pisser, man. And uh, you know, Absolutely. to come back from you know when you there's a guy they they were very close. You know, he's a guy too, very close of of getting there and almost not winning it. And um, yeah, and he could have happened. Yeah. Could have happened. Could have been just another coach that remembered for going year. to a Stanley Cup final. Yeah, you know. Hey, look, Brian Murray didn't win a Stanley Cup. So it, it, but you know, I mean, he coached in the finals when Ottawa went to their only final. Brian Murray was their head coach. I said for years, Brian Murray was a better head coach than he than he was a general manager, in my opinion. Brian Murray won Coach of the Year a billion years ago with the Washington Capitals. Everywhere he went as a head coach, he had tremendous success. He didn't get a Stanley Cup. A lot of, most coaches don't, right? This yeah. is the way it works. There's been over 400 to coach in the NHL since 1917. Guess what? The overwhelming majority of them don't have a Stanley Cup. <laughs> so, anyway, kind of digressed and went on a tangent there. But, All good, uh, shit happens. It, <laughs> it certainly does. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, let's wrap up this uh, Sticks and Taps edition here as we, we roll yeah. on. And, and, again, congrats to the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, look, let's do our uh, Toast of the Week here, and uh, let's rip up the uh, the Irish uh, Song of the Week as well, too. So, um, I'll um, – That's what I'm toasting. There you go, buddy. Look, I'm just going to raise a glass. Uh, it's it's obvious and it's easy. You know, I'm going to raise a glass to Hank and also Mark Stahl. Uh, great Rangers uh and just thanks for everything they did so uh bravo to those guys and again how lucky we were can you see the size of this shot oh my god (laughs) i'm gonna call you later see what kind of shape you're in (laughs) i want to toast hank as well but i want to toast the um irish song we're playing because after all this time together and all those fantastic clancy brother tunes and and the ones we've played recently uh, Metallica, Whiskey in the Jar, such a great song last week. And then Dublin and the Rare Old Times that uh, was so near and dear to your heart, as I found out just on the broadcast, uh, doing the podcast with you. And I was thinking today, gosh darn it, you know, we've never played the Irish National Anthem. And it's it's it actually sounds better in Irish, except nobody would be able to understand it. And I only know the translation because I've read it nine billion times. And I know the words, but the version that we've got that you're going to play is by a group. They're they're from Rhode Island, I believe, Polly. They're they're come they're called the Irish Ramblers. Have you ever heard of them? I've heard the name, yeah. Okay, I was wondering if by chance you heard the name at all. Never, in your never seen and- them, and you know I'm. I'm uh... I'd have to say I'm pretty up up to date with local touring and bands and all that stuff around here in the tri-state area because you know New York, New Jersey, Rhode Island, Connecticut are pretty much yeah. interlocked here. Um, yeah, but, uh, I definitely heard the name. I uh, never got to see them perform though. Well, uh, I haven't either, but I always like their version of it because to me it just represents a little bit more. And I've told you this story before. Uh, I've been to Dublin many times, and the first time that I went there of age. And we went out. It was about eight or nine of us, all Maguires. And we got off the beaten path. And we went to the pubs that, you know, that really are 
in my view, really represented the city a little bit more accurately than, than some of the typical tourist-type pubs. And God love them all because they're necessary and they're a great part of the city. But we got off the beaten path. And I cannot remember the name of this place, but it was something like Mother Redcap or something like that. Little place off one of the cobblestone streets somewhere in the heart of Dublin. And at last call, when they, they utter that famous phrase, you know, time, gentlemen, please, have you no homes to go home have to? Have you no homes you to know, go to? To go to, yeah. <laughs> and then they play the national anthem. And everybody stands up. Because you're in Dublin, you're in Ireland, and that's the way they roll. And everybody stood up. And our cousins belted that song out in Irish. And the hair on the back of my neck is going up telling you the story. I love this song, obviously tremendously biased because of what it represents. When it was written in the, in the mid-1920s, it was shortly after the Civil War. Temperatures were running very, very high. And by the way, I'll just finish with this, Polly. We're playing a rendition today, uh, rendition today by this group called the, the Irish Ramblers, I believe is their name, as I said. But if people want to do, you want to have some fun, you go on to YouTube and type in Irish National Anthem at Croke Park, which is the park, the yep. most famous park in all of Ireland, right in Dublin, not far from where my dad grew up, and play it uh, when England, where Ireland played, Ireland played England in rugby, and oh, play yeah. that National Anthem, man. You want chills, I'll tell you baby. what. I've I'll tell you one. what. That camera, uh, you've seen it, is panning down some of those Irish players had tears in their eyes as they were singing that. So you don't think this song, I mean, everybody's anthem should resonate with everybody. But there's been so much about it the last couple of years and what it represents, anthems and the protests and everything else. I get that. But for now, on Sticks and Taps, what this song represents to me, my heritage, and I believe you and your heritage, and guys like Liam Burke and his heritage, uh, I'm toasting that additionally today with this solid shot of whiskey. <laughs> that could knock a horse out. <laughs> I wish you could see it, folks. <laughs> Let's see if I can get this down. Paul. Get it in, Jimmy, boy! <laughs> Not a drop. Is that out. all you got? Holy lifting. Not a already bloody drop. Today. I may have to go no. have another. <laughs> Well, you do that, brother. Uh, again, uh, great toast there. Get and we're this gonna... picture, man. Stop this shot right here. <laughs> Hold on. Let me... Oh, yeah, I can do this. Hold on. Hold on. We got to send this out to everybody later. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> great stuff. As an old Irish saying, ah, face only a mother could love. <laughs> yeah. Face for radio, as I've always said. Face for radio. No Face way, for man. a podcast. You're, you're, you're almost as handsome as Hank Longquist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 He can step right into modeling him and his brother both. That's what uh, somebody said here the other day. Imagine uh, Hank's going to take an offer to do TV and be up beyond NBC there with Patrick Sharp. I mean, the two best-looking guys on any sports broadcast. But I'll tell you what, man. That guy could kick out pucks. So. Oh. Gonna well, miss him, man. If gonna this miss is him it for him, ice. what a hell of a career! I know you will. I know you will, buddy. I know you will. Absolutely. All right, brother. Love you too as well. Uh, and I'll miss you till next week. 
But anybody, uh, as I should say, as we always say here, for everybody, not anybody, thanks so much for listening to Sticks and Taps. Everybody stay healthy and safe out there. And as always, Liam, say goodbye to the folks, and we'll play this national anthem as we go out. I can't wait, my friend. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. On behalf of Paulie and I, g'day. We'll sing a song, a soldier's song, with cheering, rousing chorus. As round our blazing fires we throng, the starry heavens o'er us. Impatient for the coming fight, and as we wait the morning's light, here in the silence of the night, we will chant a soldier's song. Soldiers are we, whose lives are pledged to Ireland.